0: Thank you for listening to The Fields Brothers Show. Well, welcome to The Fields Brothers Show. I'm Roger Fields, and we're doing something a little different today. Uh, normally, Jevis is with me in the studio, but today he's on the phone. You there, Jeff? And I
1: am Jeff Fields. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, just heard of me. I don't know. If, if someone calls me during this, I'm not sure what that's going to do to it's us. It's not so, uh, going
0: to be pretty, I can tell you. Um, we'll
1: take our chance here. Yeah, I, just, <laughs> I, won't, I won't answer it. I, I won't catch off, okay? I promise not to catch off to take another call. You know, you
0: know, I've always wanted to be like a radio talk show host, so if we could just kind of pretend for a moment, I'll just say, uh, hey, I'm on the line. and uh, We've got Jeff Fields on the line from um, Lexington, Kentucky. What's on your mind, Jeff? You, that's where you jump in. I'm so... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, anyway, we are the Fields Brothers, and um, glad you joined us. We are re- two recovering pastors. Uh, we do this on a weekly basis. We do not take advertising, nor do we solicit for money. If you do that, we're just going to waste the money, so don't send us anything. But one, we're not to little, do- Go ahead
1: and what? One, one little thing, real quick, that occurred to me the other day. You know, we we use this term "recovering pastors," and we'll continue to use it. And I'm fine with that, but. We also want to make clear that there are uh, – well, we don't want to put down every uh, You know, every person that goes by the title of pastor. There right. are a lot that's of folks that are known as pastors that do a great work, and we've learned a lot from them. So uh, that's a great don't great point. too serious
0: on that. I, that's a great point. We're just having fun with that. Anyway, so Jeff, i got I got to bring up this topic one more time. I know last well, – like I think two podcasts ago now – was it last podcast or two podcasts ago you told us what happened in Cracker Barrel? Yeah, And I yeah. just, you know, for if you didn't get to hear that podcast, just very quickly, Jeff, tell them what happened. You were in, you're in, in the
1: restroom, the men's room at Cracker Barrel, ready to leave. Teresa was already out in the, the van at the parking lot. And, um, a kid that's a short version, a, a young boy, I don't know how old I'm guessing, seven, eight, nine years old in the one of the stalls in the men's room. Uh, opened the door when I was turned to the walk through the uh, sink to wash my hands, open door and raised the squirt gun at me and, and squirted me with a squirt gun. And then he closed, quickly closed the stall door and I heard him laugh and I didn't do anything. I was kind of caught off guard and didn't see any parents outside. I was hoping to see a parent outside to uh, tell them what their kid had just done, but there were no parents around and I didn't feel like going table to table to try to find, <laughs> find parents. So, so, so
0: all right, whose kid did this to of, me? <laughs>
1: You know, I want to hear what you had to say about that. I had another kind of odd experience in a restaurant in the last week or so. But go wow, ahead. You're one. on a roll, then. Well,
0: I just, I, mean, I, I and I even told one of my servers I was there this, you know, this week about what happened, and that was kind of yeah. funny. But of course, people, when you put this on Facebook, everybody chimed in to say, "Okay, what was really in that squirt gun?" Which is a great point. Yeah. We don't know for sure, but I'm uh, so. All I'm, I'm going to say is, it's a funny story got a little terrorist there in the stall in the bathroom shooting people with at least shot you with a water gun and i've been in that cracker barrel jeff gosh i don't know maybe a couple of hundred times and nothing like that's ever happened to me and so there was there were are there are those who would say that you're obviously just not walking close to god you know but
1: mm-hmm. I brought it on myself. That now, you, the there must be
0: something, you know, when you go into a Cracker Barrel and you get shot by a kid in the bathroom with a squirt gun, I don't know. I just, I don't, I don't know. I'm okay. Just,
1: okay. I admit you're right. Okay. Got <laughs> there you go. I was hoping no one would notice, but, you know, but what's the verse in the Old Testament? Be sure your sin will, your find, sins you will
0: out. find you out. Well, anyway.
1: But well, my other my other experiences, not as not as interesting as the the squirt gun thing. But, uh, I starred at a restaurant with some friends of ours, and um, you know the server at the beginning uh, said, you know, me and so and so will be taking care of you tonight, and I didn't think too much of it. But then he was the only one ever involved. You know, we never saw another server or anything. He did a good job, fine job, and and um and so at the end, you know, he leaves you know leaves the bill on the table, and that's all normal, and um. Then he comes back, I give my credit card and, and the bill, so he leaves and you know, like you normally do. But then like a minute or two later, another female server comes up and leaves a bill on her table. So I've never had you know, two different servers each bring a bill to the table. <laughs> yeah. And uh, and I say, Well, wait a minute. That guy over there, he somebody else just brought a bill and I gave him my credit card. I hope they are an employee. I hope they're not just some he's not just some random guy that just took off with my credit card, but they were NC tonight. It was no big deal. She didn't realize he'd already left a a bill. And I said, well, you know, I might see if you'll give me a better deal than he did. But was kind of a lot. (laughs) Nothing all that. Nothing all that. I thought maybe uh, somebody else at the restaurant
0: just sent their check over to you. That's what I thought. Somebody saw you in there and said, just take my check over to him. But that's not what happened.
1: Anyway, that's it.
0: All right, Jeff, here's what I got. I got the top 10 Christian myths right here in front of me as comprised by me. Only 10. Well, I've got the top 10, then i got a bonus one. So there's really 11. Okay. And so I'm going to give you these. Give me your comments as we go through this list. Is that okay? I'll be thinking. All right. Yeah. I'm, I'm just hitting you with these out of the blue. Okay. Here's the, what I believe may be the top 10 Christian myths. Number, And there are no particular order, so I'm just going go to go number one. Number one, heaven is a reward for good behavior. Yeah.
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, it's obviously not. You know, it's not by works, and so no, it's it's not a. And also, matter, you would know, you say that these are?
0: And let me know if you think these are widely believed. Okay, heaven is a yeah. heaven is a reward for good behavior. I mean, I think a lot of people believe that.
1: Yeah, yeah, I would say that's widely believed, and you know, it's um, yeah, do good, get good; so, do bad, yeah. get bad. Yeah. So uh, instead of heaven
0: being a reward for behavior, it's actually a gift for believing. So right, all right, number two. Yeah. Church is a place you go.
1: Yeah. you Don't get me started on this. We can do right. a whole podcast on yeah. this one. But, yeah, I mean, it's—
0: churches. Each of these could be a whole podcast, really, but anyway.
1: Yeah, I mean, church is who we are, and, um, you know, the church— um, Yeah, I, I, I rarely—I I try as much as possible to avoid using the word church when referring to a local congregation at a building. I, yeah. I try to use the term congregation as much as possible and— yeah not that i can single-handedly change the uh, vernacular in our culture but um that's my my attempt at it all
0: right here we go number three worship is music yeah can be that, i mean um, it can be associated with music right but doesn't have but to more be.
1: Times, right i mean worship is a yeah i mean when jesus told the woman at the well they must, you know, must worship him in spirit and the truth i don't think he was kind of praise band in mind he didn't have he uh, he didn't mean
0: strike up the band right
1: right (laughs) and um and i know one time when we were in israel when trace and i were in israel we visited a site one of the and i forget exactly i should know this but some one of the old testament sites where there was an altar built and there the remains of it are still there you can see it. it's, it's a bit of a walk up into a real pretty walk up into a kind of a uh, wooded area but um, then you come at this area where you can see the you know the leftovers of what was an altar and and you know they would be cleansed there before they would go up to a higher place to worship and you know there was no music involved in that It just for me you know that's of course it's the you know sacrifice yeah. of Christ that cleanses us so that we can worship but then Romans 12 that you know true spiritual worship is our lives right. yeah I all agree right.
0: all right number four God's word is a
1: book. Yeah, I mean, that hit me several years ago, and I, before I'd heard anybody else say it, I was just reading, I think I was preparing a message for the congregation we were in, in John 1-1, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And it just dawned on me, you know, you know I believe it was Spirit of God kind of opening my eyes to see that the Word of God is a person. And I, I like using kind of a little word picture game and ask someone, okay, I'm going to give you a phrase, When I tell you this phrase, what's the first picture that comes to mind? And you say, the Word of God and i really believe that when we hear the phrase word of god the first picture should come to a the the ember you know obviously we don't know exactly what jesus looked like but we should think in terms of a person as opposed to a, a book and see, a lot of and people are, a lot of people say whether well, it's the written word or right, the living word right. but i don't That's see I that no, in scripture I, No, I don't, I
0: don't see that in scripture at all yeah there's there's no right. reference to the written word now scripture in, the bible is scripture right. and we believe it cover to cover
1: yeah. but it's and scripture jesus and the other new- yeah, Jesus and the other New Testament writers always refer to, it is written, or right. scripture, or whatever, law, the law the prophets. Or right, or, like they, there, or they quote the
0: person it. that Isaiah said, or the prophet said, you know, right, somebody, right. but they never said the we, word of God said, and then give us a yeah, we, verse out of the Bible.
1: Yeah, we do believe it's inspired. I think the yeah. other phrase that comes to mind a lot when I think of these terms that, that really comes to mind a lot for me is Romans 7. Early on, I forget the exact verse, but it's in the first few verses of Romans 7. It talks about the new way of the Spirit, not the old way of the written code.
0: Right,
1: right. And uh, it is really easy to try to turn life in Christ into just a new, improved version of a written code, just a right, better written code. Right, right. And, just uh, volume
0: 2 or, yeah, 2.0. Yeah, 2. yeah 0. it's the
1: whole— you know, Rules and two regulations, 2.0. Yep. Yeah, and New Covenant is an entirely different operating system. Yeah,
0: and I'm going to get to that in a minute, too. Um, okay. Number five, Jesus came to be our example. Well, he said why he came. He came to, to give his life as a ransom. Yeah, He came not to be served, but to serve. I mean, he was pretty clear that the reason he came was to give his life. Now, is yeah, okay, he an I, example? I, I, of course he's an example, but that's not why he came.
1: True. Yeah, I know. Uh, the other day, I, and I didn't do a study on this, but the times where Jesus specifically said of why he came. And I thought of those two things. I thought of, I, the, you know, the Son of Man came to give his life as a ransom for many. And then John 10 10 I came that you might have life. There's probably other times where yeah. he specifically, yeah. I just don't know him off the top of my head. Yeah. But, but yeah, he never said, I came just to
0: Be your example. show you
1: all how to live. Right. You
0: know? Just do things the way I do them. Just, just you know, yeah. no. Okay. The Holy Spirit. Handing out. Okay. Okay. Hand well, out a
1: bunch of braces, you know, handing out a bunch of bracelets to everybody
0: the yeah. wwjd yeah right the holy spirit convicts christians of sin that's just nowhere yeah, in the bible the i mean it's just not in the bible yeah i mean it the world the whole You convicts sin. the world of sin right was in, in the gospel of john and he he reveals to us uh what god has freely given us Um, he convicts, he reveals to us that we are righteous. The Bible says he reveals us that God is our father, that we can cry out through the spirit. Abba father. He's our dad. A lot of things like that, but there's no place where it says the Holy Spirit's job is to point out our sins. And like, I think you mentioned the other day, you know, if if God forgets our sins, what's he pointing out?
1: Yeah. Part of the promise of the new covenant, someone else actually brought there, I think it was Paul Ellis and I shared it on Facebook, you know, that verse in, in Hebrews and part of the new covenant quoted from the old testament that i will remember their sins no more all right so god has already said i will remember their sins no more so that yeah. you know that's not just two-thirds of the trinity you know it's right. not okay right. god the father doesn't remember and jesus doesn't remember but boy the holy spirit sure Well, he remembers. does yeah he's, he's all,
0: all over it yeah yeah you know, yep.
1: yep. that's um so yeah Go all ahead. right
0: number seven believers have a sin nature well The Bible says we have a new nature, and we we put on the new self, and there was some translations that translated flesh, sinful nature, but it should be translated flesh, which really means ability or self-effort, but not nature. Your nature has been changed. A lot of scripture about that.
1: Yeah, I think so much of Satan's work is keeping believers from seeing who they are, from seeing themselves as God sees them, and, and you know it sounds—you know, masquerades as an angel light—it sounds religious. It sounds kind of righteous to put yourself down and to and all this. But that is that is not the message of the of the New Testament. Right. And I, this, I'll try not to take too much time on this to so turn up your list too much. But you mentioned the word flesh, and because I thought about, it, and we mentioned before in the past that that Andrew Farley has uh, approached the. Um, one of the publishers of the I guess the publishers of the New International Version yeah. and had that word changed. And yeah. he actually he changed the Bible. So the older yeah. versions of the NIV we use flesh, like in Roman 8, we use uh, we use sinful nature rather. Now the newer ones just translate it. I think he put I that, that lit- in their
0: book and they read that and then have a conversation about it and through what he did. Oh, really? of course he's got yeah. a degree in linguistics, you know, and he was a tenured yeah. professor at Notre Dame in linguistics, so he's pretty good with this stuff. And yeah, yeah and they changed the, the translation. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, there's another word that we need to, we need to have a conversation with Andrew. We need to get him to change another word. Okay. Uh, <laughs> this is, and I heard, I was listening to a, a sermon this past week by uh, Malcolm Smith, a great writer, Malcolm Smith. And, and he pointed out that the, absolutely, he said, this, he said, I hate, now we've talked about this word before and we've talked about how people have misunderstood it. He was really blunt. And I think accurately so said that he said he hates this word. So you want to. This would be a controversial statement to say publicly in a group of Christians that you hate this word. Try this, Roger, in your next.
0: Yeah, men's okay, group. yeah. That's all I need um, to get in more trouble with my men's group, but okay.
1: <laughs> he talked about what a horrible translation the word repentance is.
0: Yeah, right. Now, right.
1: you know, we've talked about what it means and what it doesn't mean, but we've never, I don't think, we've talked about that the Greek word means, yeah. you know, it's methanoia it means change of mind. Yeah. And he, like, he says it means a radical change of mind. But what I never thought of before. Is, you know, the word, if you break apart the, the English word repentance, repentance comes from penance. Penance is when you you inflict pain or you go through some pain to pay for the bad that you've done. Yeah. Re means doing it over and over again.
0: Right. And Repent-
1: repentance yeah. means that, and basically inflicting pain on yourself over and over again to make up for something bad. Well, right. that is. That is not what metanoia has anything to do. So I think we need to.
0: Which is the Greek word metanoia, right? It doesn't mean to metanoia, change your mind. We made we made the word that means really grovel, you know, painfully grovel, yeah. you know, which is not so what the word the means. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and so change your mind about the fact that you think you can do something to, to yeah. cover your own sand, but. Yeah. So anyway, we need to uh we need to get that word changed in the in the Bible. And it makes well, more sense. Accurately.
0: Right. When you read the verse like the goodness of God brings us to repentance, well the goodness of God doesn't make you want to hurt yourself or grovel, the goodness of God makes you change your mind.
1: Right. And radical I like the idea that Malcolm Smith added the word radical, right? Yeah. It, it brings you to a radical change of mind.
0: Right. So. Yeah, I like it. Okay. All right. All right, number eight, the Bible is a handbook for living.
1: Well, oh, yeah, of course it is. Just a bunch of rules for us to follow. Yeah. What are you talking about? Well it, it's
0: not like there's not stuff in there that you can use for a living, but that's it's really the story of our redemption. You know, but we to try to find a verse for every single thing you confront in life is pretty tough to do. And so Coming back I,
1: to the written code. Yeah, back, it's back, to, back to the written code, code. So
0: that's not what the Bible's about. Right. You
1: know, as opposed to the life within, you know, an apple tree doesn't produce apples because it has some rule telling it it has to you know yeah. that's just the life the nature right. and so that's the glory of the new covenant Christ in you um, to live through us
0: alright we're covering a lot of stuff we're covering a broad spectrum of stuff we're not going as deep as we would normally go but we're going to cover a lot of width here I guess alright number nine discipleship is a thing <laughs> It's not even a thing. It's not even mentioned in the Bible. There is no such thing biblically as discipleship. There was a there were disciples, which means learner. And in even in Acts, a bunch of believers were typically called disciples. They were learners, but there was no discipleship. In other words, there's no program that kind of brings yeah. you to this higher level of your relationship with God called discipleship. It is not a thing.
1: Yeah, I think that stems from our desire to want to control the process. Yeah. You know, it's just a way of saying, okay, here's what we can do as opposed to just trusting in our father, trusting in the one who lives within us and, and trusting him for other people too. Yeah. Um, so, yeah.
0: All right. Number 10, grace needs to be balanced. Jeff, you got to balance grace. It can't be all about God's grace and what God has done for us. You got to balance this with, you know, behavior and rules and that kind of thing.
1: Yeah. It's that's, that's basically saying, saying Jesus needs to be balanced. Right. That, you know, kind of like Moses, you know, we talked about, you know, the you know the laws represented by Moses, grace and truth came by Jesus Christ. So, you know, we don't, we don't balance Jesus by Moses, you know, they each have their role, but, um, in the covenants, but, um, you know, when grace, grace is what God has done for us through Jesus Christ. And so yeah. <laughs> we do not need, uh, do not balance. need balance there. I there. In the word grace, we're, we're quick. I, read, I forgot where I read this, but, and I haven't given this a lot of thought, but you know, that part of Matthew seven where, you know, Jesus talks about, you know, who, if you're, uh, you know, if you if your son asked for a uh, bread, would you give him a stone? And, um, Someone commented comparing that to grace and law, you know, that God gives, you know, grace, the bread is grace, stone is law, you know, God God gives us bread, the bread of grace. He doesn't give us the, the law of stone. That
0: is good. Incredible. I hadn't thought of that before. Huh. All right. One more. This is the bonus this is number 11. We need to ask God for forgiveness. Jeff, you got to ask God for forgiveness. You mess up, you, ask, okay. you better be asking for everything, forgiveness for everything you've done wrong. Your sins of omission okay. and your sins of commission. Not just the stuff you did wrong, but the stuff you should have done right that you did not do.
1: Okay, you you could not have teed this up any better for me. So okay. I was going to bring it anyway, And you may have saw it when I shared it uh, from a message or from Andrew Farley again. But anyway. And I, but I don't think I noticed this. You know, in in verse in Ephesians one seven, it talks about you know in Him, in Christ, in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. So I mean, there's other things we have in Him, but those two things are mentioned in that one verse. We have redemption, and we have the forgiveness of sins. Now, how many how many people have you ever heard recommend that you need to ask God to redeem you every day? How many times, Roger? Do you ask God to redeem you? Did you wake up this morning, God? Please redeem me.
0: Tonight? I did not do that. No,
1: no. Have you Have you ever heard anybody even re- suggest? I never could? had anybody
0: say that. No, I never heard no. that said.
1: Nobody. Nobody. No believer. No teacher. Everywhere. Any, anywhere. Says you need to keep asking God to redeem you, but that verse says, you know, in Him we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of sins. and so redemption is a one time event that we receive when we're placed into Christ, forgiveness of sins is a one-time event that we receive when we're placed into Christ. And so we don't need to keep asking for forgiveness of any anymore than we need to keep asking God to redeem us, because essentially we're asking Him to come and die for us again. Right, I mean, if I ask right. Him, you know, if someone says, okay, you need to go ask God to redeem you, you know, most Christians would say, well, no, He redeemed me at the cross. He, he doesn't need to do that again. Well, it's the exact same answer when we talk about forgiveness of sins.
0: Right. All right, I agree. Oh. all right. Let me leave you with one thing. I'm gonna get your comment. I th- I mentioned this to you, but I wanna hit, hit this before we go. This is this kind of hit me the other night as we we're going through this in a in a men's group, and we're going through Hebrews, and we're in Hebrews chapter 12. And I've heard for a long time at the end of the end of the chapter, you know, there's a thing, place where God says, "I uh, is uh, I'm gonna shake not only earth but also heaven. I'm gonna shake everything up, you know, and, and so that things that cannot be shaken will be removed." Okay, and then. Okay. And in the very end of that chapter, he says, but our God is a consuming fire. Now, let me back into it this way. You know, one of the things we do in Christian circles is our default setting, when we look at Scripture, typically is to see everything through the eyes of, okay, we better shape up, God's mad, and God's going to get us, and it's all about heaven or hell. Through a law lens. Very, very, do what?
1: Through a, a law lens.
0: Yeah, law lens. And so, and so anyway, and so, the, so as going through the whole book of, of Hebrews, you know, the whole book, the theme of the book of Hebrews is really the word better, that the covenant we have now is a lot better than the old one. You know, so we have a better priest, we got a better sacrifice, we got a better everything, you know, it's over and over and over. And so that's the context of the book. And so then it just really hit me. That when you read like even from verse like eighteen down, it uh, makes the point that you know you need to listen to the, the message of this covenant because it is so much better. But he talks about he, he contrasts when they went to the mountain to get the ten commandments. It was a real frightening kind of deal. There was everybody was terrified, and Moses was trembling with fear. It was a big old you know ominous kind of a setting. When we come to the new covenant, it says we come to a festival of gather a festival gathering of angels. Um, you are enrolled in heaven. It says, and to the spirits of righteous made perfect. So it's a whole different thing. So the contrast is between the old way and the new way, the new covenant. Okay. And you have a mediator of a new covenant that's better, it says, uh, speaks a better word. Uh, The blood speaks a better word than that of the blood of Abel. The blood of Abel cried out in vengeance. The blood of Jesus gives us redemption, forgiveness. Okay. So then you get down. So in that context, you then get down to where, right, you know, the next verse down, two verses down. Uh, where it says, God says, I will shake um, not only earth, but also heaven, which is kind of interesting, so that what cannot be shaken will remain. Well, in the context of that, what gets shaken is legalism, is the old covenant. And what cannot be shaken is the new covenant, what God has done for us. And then when you get down to, um, it says, we're receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. Let us offer to God acceptable worship with reverence and awe, for our God is a consuming fire. So what does he consume? Well, in the context of that chapter and the whole book, he consumes the old covenant. He shakes it up and burns it.
1: Mm-hmm. And
0: yeah, I had, go ahead. Go, no, go ahead. Comment.
1: I mean, I hadn't, you know, I, I need to think through that more, honestly, a little bit of what, you know, there's other parts, in, you know, our God is, so our God is a consuming fire. There. are various times in the Old Testament where fire comes into play. And oh, yeah. I think they, I'm just saying
0: in this scripture, in this yeah. chapter of Hebrews, the context, I'm a big believer in context. I mean, what's what's that chapter about? What's that book about? What's going on? So when it comes around, when it says, our God's a consuming fire, what's he burning up? Well, according to this, he's burning up the old way of doing things.
1: For the chapter, you go back to chapter 10, there's also, you know, that, that's all part of a pretty stiff warning about, you know, do not reject.
0: Yeah, there is a one. Yeah, yeah, there is.
1: And so, um, yeah, I don't know. I need to think about that a little bit more.
0: We'll read through that. But anyway, I just thought, I thought it was kind of cool. You know, he's shaking up. You know, the new covenant shook up everything and um, we're receiving this kingdom that cannot be shaken. You know, this is not going to be shaken. This whole idea that this is all about what God has done for you in Jesus is not going to be shaken. It's not going anywhere, and we can offer to God except to worship with reverence and all. It is kind of an awe-inspiring kind of thing. Wow, this is what God did, and it's here to stay.
1: And it's a covenant. Actually, we don't have time to get into this now. Maybe some other time it's a covenant between God the Father and God the Son through the Spirit, and we're the beneficiaries of it. So. Being in Christ, so when I'm not, you know, normally we have a counter we're looking at. So I don't have, since I'm not there, I don't have a counter. So I don't know. I think we're probably running up against uh, how about that time here. But one thing we, I might mention our book again because we had a one star rating. I don't know if you saw that. <laughs> I, I showed that to
0: you. I know that was that was pretty. That was discouraging. A one star rating
1: after, after about three and a half years, our book being out, we got I finally got a one star rating on Amazon. Someone they just said they didn't like the. I, I think. Anyway, well, you know like what. You know out. Let it's me tell you what
0: happened. Bible. Let me tell you that they just read some of your chapters, and that's what it was.
1: <laughs> if they'd they read
0: not. some of my chapters, I, I I think I could have offset that one star rating. But may, I don't know. So,
1: not well, everybody listen. Yeah,
0: yeah, not everybody appreciates the message of grace. You know, I mean, it's not like, um, you know, it's not like it's popular Breaking with the everybody. Break next.
1: Life with God after the cross killed religion.
0: On Amazon. Thanks for listening.